Do people think it's a senseless census? Evidence that Ohio State will raise its tuition. And it turns out that politics and casinos make strange bedfellows. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Karen Kassler this week, Julie Carr-Smythe, Statehouse Correspondent for the Associated Press. Gil Price, Managing Editor for the Columbus Call and Post. Michael Miller, Attorney and former Franklin County Prosecutor. And Sam Gresham of Common Cause Ohio. I'm Karen Kastler from Ohio Public Radio and Television. Very pleased to be filling in for Mike Thompson this week. Well, we know death and taxes are inevitable, as are potholes after a Columbus winter and the mania for mulch once Ohioans get spring fever. Well, here's another one. Every decade, a big envelope is delivered from the Census Bureau to every household. The census is required by the Constitution, but only 39% of Columbus's residents have returned the form. So, Michael Miller, is this evidence of a growing sense of mistrust in the federal government and what is going to happen to this information once these people fill it out and turn it back in? Well, I, I'm sure there are some people that feel that way. I, I don't know that that's the basis for the, uh, the low percentage. And it's early yet. I think 10 years ago we had, what, 70% out of Columbus for 72, something like that. Still relatively low figures, it seems to me. But I'm sure many people feel that way. Others don't want to be bothered by it. Uh, you say it was a large envelope and all that. I got mine, but there's nobody in my house except my wife and I. Uh, all my kids are gone, so I filled the thing out, and you know, I don't think it took us two or three minutes. And You're one of the quick ones. One of the quick ones, because you know there wasn't much uh, to fill in. And I'm sure if it, uh, you know, 20 years ago, it would have taken me a lot longer, but it didn't seem to be burdensome. But, uh, you know, there are going to be some people who just refuse to fill it out because they think it's an invasion of privacy or what have you. We keep hearing about some of these populations that are worried about what the information is going to be used for. Immigrants worried that it could lead to uh, deportation. Some, uh, some groups that just are, are very concerned about the information and whether it's going to be kept private. It was interesting because the Somali, I've talked with um, uh, folks from the Census Bureau, and the Somalis are concerned, or find it interesting because I think uh, in the past people have said, well, there are, this is the second largest Somali population in the United States behind Minneapolis. Right here in Columbus. Right here in Columbus. And then, of course, there were some questions about the size of the Somali population. And one of the things the Somali population is concerned about is uh, they've been declaring themselves, many of them have been, have been putting down that they're African American. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, that doesn't, that looks fine for as far as African Americans are concerned, but for the Somali population, they're feeling like they don't have an accurate count well, of no the box. Somali people. There's no box, box for so Somali or, or right. Iranian or some of these other groups that are out there, right? You would actually right. have to write it in. But, you know, the fear is not justified, and I understand that people sometimes overreact because they do an annual survey now. Uh, America survey that they do every year so they're keeping up with those numbers through other system they have to do it officially every 10 years they have to do it but every year they're always doing it and 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 it won't hurt it will help uh, if you declare yourselves and the more information they know about in your community people should know that's how they distribute government dollars that's how they determine how they're going to program for a community so there's a lot of valuable information that comes out of it right and there are, are I believe there are walls built into this where, you know, what you share with the Census Bureau is needed for uh, the purposes of this federal funding and things like measuring populations. I know there was a big push 
uh, I don't remember if it was 10 years ago, but it was in one recent to um, declare, you know, that you were gay or bisexual, lesbian, you know, trying to uh, figure out that population. And, you know, it's um, important to those of us in journalism and to people in government to know how these populations are are actually formed. And we all, we all know that this is how the money is distributed and Ohio could potentially lose two congressional seats right. if the count right. turns out to be a lot lower. But the federal government seems to be spending a lot of money on this campaign to try to get people to turn these back in. Is it working? Is it going to work? Well, I think, I think it's, uh, I mean, they're doing the best they can do. Now, what is interesting is where you have, you know, the, the Tea Party movement and conservatives saying, you know, we don't want to fill out the census. Well, you know, if, uh, if they don't fill out the census in Texas, then that could really help Ohio because, you know, if, if, if uh, <laughs> because, because yeah, well, there's I only think a Texas, certain number of congressional seats. Texas <laughs> is scheduled, I think, to get four seats, get four additional seats, even as Ohio is losing two. So if, if a whole lot of Texans decide we don't want to fill this thing out, then, you know, I'm, we're going to encourage them here in Ohio. Please, don't, you know, well, don't do it. they don't fill it out, somebody's going to come to the door and knock on the door and say, could you fill this out, please? So that doesn't discourage them. You, you're just going to let the government spend a little bit more money, but that somebody's coming to your door. Well, Michael Miller, is that a real concern that there is a large group of individuals who are purposely avoiding filling this out, um, conservative Tea Party groups who say that they don't want the government to have this information? Well, I suppose it's a concern to some degree. I, I try and think in my life doing uh, uh, criminal law and so forth, and I've never heard anything come to the authorities from a, from a census. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I've just never heard it. And, and I imagine if Texas, as Gil suggests, doesn't fill it out, it won't help Ohio because Chicago will fill out four or five <laughs> Moving on now, before the Major League Baseball season, the insiders read the tea leaves and made all sorts of predictions based on the slightest lineup change, and something similar happens in politics quite often. A few tidbits in recent polls have pundits making some interesting observations. For instance, look at this. The new Quinnipiac poll shows Lieutenant Governor Lee Fisher with 33% of Democrats behind him, and Secretary of State Jennifer Bruner 26%, and that party's primary election for George Voinovich's Senate seat. Now, some say it's evident that Fisher's campaign is building. So Gil Price, there are a lot of undecided voters here. There are voters who say that they could change their minds even though they've picked a candidate. So is this race in any way over? I think it'll be, it is likely to be over, I believe, if Fisher decides to go on the air and really uh, tries to blitz uh, television and radio before the campaign. Last, I think the last numbers show that Jennifer Bruner had, I think, $60,000 in the bank and Lee had $1.8 million. And, I mean, in a state like Ohio, you know, those kinds of numbers are going to, uh, you know, work against the candidate that doesn't have the money. However, a lot of people over the years have said you never count out Jennifer Bruner. Jennifer Bruner is a very tough campaigner and she has a grassroots group of people who are supporting her. So... You know, it looks it looks positive for Lee Fisher. One of the interesting things I found was that the polls seem to indicate that in a year when Ohio is supposed to be uh, basically dead for Democrats, that uh, whether it's Lee Fisher or you know or Jennifer Bruner with Portman, whether it's uh, Kasich and 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 Strickland or any of those other races, uh, Democrats at this point in the game seem to be holding their own. And what the poll did show as far as this 40% undecided is, however, that in the Senate race, um, 
Democrats are not excited. You know, they're, they're not wanting to come out for either one of these candidates in, in huge droves. I would guess that, you know, those who are committed are, are pretty loyal and followers of, of one or the other of these folks. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to watch post-Obama campaign what Bruner can do with her uh, social media, her email outreach, and that kind of thing, which is inexpensive, uh, untraditional, but... Um, probably, as Gil says, one ad on, on TV, and, and it, it sinks her. As much as the Democrats may hate a primary, I think it plays to the Democrats' advantage to have a primary, because it raises the name idea of whichever candidate wins. Portman does not have a, a primary to work in. Now, it makes them spend money, but it helps their name ID. I think most, Jennifer Bruner may have had a difficulty with name IDs two or three years ago, and Lee Fisher, but I don't think that's a problem. Now. But if they're not on the air, if you don't see the campaign signs, if you're not hearing the ads, if they're not debating, there's only one scheduled debate that I'm really aware of, April 13th at the City Club in Cleveland. Where's the name recognition going to be built from? Well, she's got her name recognition from the papers every day. I mean, yeah, being Secretary of State? Yeah, yeah, well, she gets sued a lot. <laughs> 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 but she also has a lot of official functions. This has been one of the detriments for the Fisher side is that um, he stepped down as development director and sort of uh, lost that public platform that would, might get him in the papers. And But he also is, uh, as I understand it, pretty well uh, blanketed the state and obviously his fundraising is better. So it's, it's a really intriguing one. You know, it was supposed to be a relatively predicted low turnout for the uh, primary. And, uh, and I do think that Gil's right. If, the, if money is spent... Uh, a quick calculation of it, 60,000, 1.8 million. That's 30 to 1. Yeah. And uh, I, I think if he can spend some of that 30 to 1 advantage, it'll have a tremendous uh, effect, and uh, particularly since not many people theoretically are coming out. An interesting thing about the poll that surprised me, though, that it had uh, a Lee uh, with a sizable lead, four or five points, something like that, uh, with women. Mm -hmm. uh, and that did surprise me. Uh, that may change. But uh, he's doing much better than, than I would have thought bet between the two of them. I thought it would be a little closer than this. Don't you think he has an advantage, though? His well, he's been around so long. Everybody right. knows Lee. You know, I think right. a lot of people know Jennifer, too. But Lee's been here but he has a long, long time. He has that Cuyahoga County base with him. He does. He does. That and and that's a very solid base for him. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's a very yeah. solid base. And I think he has really made it a point to kind of get all of the endorsements, all the kind of the key yes. people. Right. And he kind of, every now and again, you hear, you know, here's another key person who's endorsed him. So. Well, staying on the topic of the May ballot, they are opponents in an election that's heating up for November. They are articulating very different positions on issues such as state funding and creating jobs. But there is one thing that Governor Ted Strickland, the Democrat, and John Kasich, the Republican who wants his job, can agree on, and that is move the Columbus Casino, which Ohioans will decide in May. And it would allow the Columbus Casino to move either from the proposed Arena District, which is where it is now, to a former GM plan on the city's west side. So, Julie Carr-Smythe, let me ask you, where is the opposition to this? If the two guys running for governor are in agreement, and a lot of other groups seem to be in agreement, where's the opposition? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, truthfully, there isn't much opposition organized because we're not making a decision on whether to legalize or not legalize casinos anymore. This is a simple, if you will, change of venue for the casino that was already approved by voters last time. Um, and it's essential, really, that these kind of alliances are formed if this thing is going to pass because it's 
of interest only in Columbus, I would argue, but yet it has to pass statewide. The opposition is the angry no. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is the angry no, the no that always votes no, the no that doesn't like anything, the no that is, is a tradition, to, in, especially on certain referenda in Ohio history. And, uh, and I think that is the opposition. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, and, and it's, it's amorphous. You don't feel it. You can't figure out where it's coming from or who it's there, but it's there. But right. as Julie points out, the no this time won't do anything to stop the casino being right. built. <laughs> That's true. And but do you think that message is going to be out there in Cleveland and Cincinnati and Toledo and some of these other areas that are also going to be voting on this? That's why I think, well, what, is, what has been interesting, though, is that they have not put a lot of, you know, this group, I mean, you know, the first group, the, uh, the Penn-Gilbert Alliance, uh, put about, what, $50 million out there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys haven't, you know, Penn, Penn hasn't put a lot of money out there. And I think that that, that might be... Well, they got their casino. <laughs> they got their casino, so maybe they don't care. You know, maybe they figure, well, we've, we've got our location one way or the other. Right, and I think that this is uh, the putting forward the politicians is to say, this is good for our city, this is good for our state. I don't always agree with that, but I only think there are two people who are interested. One who opposes just to mess up, to gum up the wax, and those people who are interested in supporting it. I think the casual observer has no skin in the game. So Gil is right to this extent. The people who want to monkey up uh, the works, they're going to come out and say no, 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 no. But the people who are interested in gambling uh, and moving it in Columbus will probably come out. Well, I, I think, too, you've got to think in Columbus, uh, like Julie said, I think that's the real key. I, I doubt if Cleveland really cares or right. Cincinnati or whatever. And so you get into Columbus. Uh, is it unusual that the governor and John Kasich would, would, would be together on this? I don't think so. Or any other politician, Republican or Democrat. Because the question is, the people in Columbus that have some power, Want it this way. They want it. This, yeah. this and way. that means everybody's going to join together and go that way. And there's not going to be any opposition along those lines. And I think some people, though, might be wondering, why didn't they do it the first time at a different location? Why did they end up doing this and having to go back and, quote, fix it? But the powers initially totally opposed it and tried to defeat it. Well, and maybe thought it would be defeated. Right. And it had been so many times before that they focused mm-hmm. their effort on defeating the issue rather than negotiating the location. I think that's right. But well, here's where I think you have the, the, the challenge. The low information voter in Cincinnati, in Dayton, in Van Wert, in places like that, the low information conservative voter I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the voter who doesn't really know a whole lot about the intricacies of this, only knows that it's a casino vote. And See it's, that word, casino. And, they, and, 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 and I'm, I'm opposed to casino. Yes. And didn't we already decide this? Didn't, didn't I vote no back in November? And, just, and that low information voter, and, and I think that a lot of the appeals are going to, or that's why I think you have an almost a need to appeal to the low information voter to say, yes, this is okay, you know, this won't actually create more gambling you know, you've already voted on well, that. Well, it's funny you bring that up because in November we've got another issue that will bring more gambling to the horse racing tracks. Right. And I'm wondering how this, you know, the idea that people were sick of this question back last November, so they voted for the casino, you know, how does this affect the May ballot and the November one on the slots at racetracks? Well, they may go in tandem, but I, I, yeah. if this thing goes down from moving the, uh, the casino here to the west side, if it would fail, 
We would certainly have an interesting, <laughs> an interesting situation we'll interesting here in the Capitol. Uh, yeah, because I think it really is, there is a risk. If you get Strickland, Kasich, sure Mike Coleman, all these people out there saying vote yes on the moving the casino, and then people get in the voting booth and they see casino slots, same difference, yes, yes, then all of a sudden we have slots. Well, let's move on to our next topic now. Everyone agrees that Ohio has been hit hard by the mortgage crisis. There were 89,000 foreclosure filings in the state last year. However, there is disagreement over what to do about it, even as Ohio is set to receive $172 million from the federal government to address the problem. Well, Ten months ago, the Ohio House approved a bill that Democrats said would help reduce foreclosures. So now, Julie Carr-Smythe, we have a situation where there's some finger-pointing going on. Democrats are saying Republicans are stalling this in the Ohio Senate. What's happening? What's basically happening at the Ohio State House right now is is gridlock uh, to the worst degree. It turns out, lo and behold, that politics is made through um, negotiation and uh, horse trading. And there's absolutely nothing to horse trade down there. Nothing is moving. The Democrats pass it. The Republicans in the Senate block it. The Republicans pass it. The Democrats block it. And um, this is becoming very frustrating to people who are pushing bills of great significance like like this one um, in particular on foreclosure I think that the Democrats wanted to put a moratorium on foreclosure from you know put the full moratorium on and the Republicans are saying that's just going to delay the inevitable this is not the way to handle it we need to concentrate on the economy and they have a philosophical difference on this so where does it go from here? Is there any possibility of a meeting point here, or is this just going to get stalled? And, if Senate and Bill 22 is in the any indication, they never resolved the issues from the standpoint of uh, the House introducing the companion bill to uh, Senate Bill 22. But they did on a couple other pieces where they were able to compromise. You, you don't know. It depends on the politics involved in solving this problem to both sides. I, I think Judy's right. There's nothing really to trade at this point, though. But I think if you look back, if you look back in 2006, and you remember Senate Bill 185, you know, uh, which was designed to, you know, ease the mortgage crisis at that time and deal with uh, uh, problems with lenders. Uh, remember, the Republicans blocked it considerably. I mean, and that's when the Republicans got control of both houses. And the pressure started building in, in, in uh, moderate income, comfortable neighborhoods, and they started to shift on that issue. 2008, the same thing happened with regard to uh, predatory lending, uh, predatory lending, or, or not predatory lending, the, um, you know what I'm talking about, right. the, uh, yeah, the payday, the payday, payday lenders. Payday yes. lenders yes. The payday lenders. You had predatory lending in 2006, the payday lenders in 2008, and the pressure on Republicans started to build. And I think that as this problem spreads uh, to more uh, middle-income families in suburban neighborhoods, and if the Republicans begin to feel that pressure, they're going. I think they're going to. They're going to move if they see the political benefit in it. Well, couldn't there be some some pushback here? You hear a lot of people once again on the angry note saying, "Well, why should somebody get a six-month moratorium? I'm doing the right thing and paying my mortgage. Why should I not get a break when my neighbor does?" Is there a danger of that yeah, kind there, of a pushback? There are ten million people in America unemployed. This is an extraordinary set of times. Some of these people didn't 
uh, get behind on their mortgage because they wanted to. They simply didn't have the money. The two biggest reasons are job loss and medical expenses. Right. And some of these houses are underwater. That is, people's mortgages don't cover the estimated value of, of the property. So until we solve this problem, along with another one that nobody's talking about, which is credit card debt. It's looming out there. Nobody's talking about these two things. And I don't think the employment situation is going to get any better until credit card debt and the mortgage situations are dealt with. And indeed, Ohio was chosen for this $172 million in federal funding because we have a high unemployment rate and uh, our home values have dropped about 20%, which is the case of those five states that Ohio was in the group of. So, But that's a, that's a key point, though, is that, I mean, if the Obama administration provides Ohio with some money, it gets spent all around, people get happier, um, the Republicans don't, I mean, that's not necessarily a good state of affairs for, for the Republicans. And so I think that there is this resistance, back to your first question on the census, about the federal government in general, particularly on the issue of stimulus. But it's always about the politics, though. I mean, what, I'm, what I mean is, just like in 2006 with predatory lending, just like in 2008 with payday lending, when, the when they begin to feel the shift in, the, you know, when, when the plates begin to shift, you know, in their base... Uh, then, then they will know we have to do something. And, and, and those of us who were around in 2008 saw the plates shift literally almost one week where people who were opposing a payday bill were now supporting it. Well, speaking of shifting, we've got to shift to our final topic here. Central Ohio enjoying some unseasonably warm weather, finally. Just last week we had snow on the ground. But one thaw is not so welcome. After a three-year freeze, Ohio State is set to raise tuition by 7%. Chancellor Eric Fingerhut says for the last four years, tuition increases for the University System of Ohio were the lowest since the 1970s. So, Sam Gresham, this is good news for the people who are in college you know, are getting out. Bad news for the people coming in. Couldn't this potentially really affect a lot of people who are planning on going to college and continuing their educations? I think anyway, you re increasing the tuition affects people coming in and out of, uh, of educational situation. I think the way the, uh, the Board of Trustees is suggesting doing it, 3% one portion, 4% the next time, allows the student to adjust to that. And hopefully, uh, when the federal money is made available, that will allow them to have a better source at a lower rate to, to adapt. I think the university has been very good for the last four years under the leadership of uh, Governor Strickland, uh, Strickland and um, Chancellor Fingerhut. They kept tuition at zero increases for four years. But I think there's a, 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 a lid as far as you can go. In full disclosure, you do have a relationship yes, with Ohio State University. <laughs> I do work for Ohio State for all those people that know. But you, you know, the, the point of distinction, though, is that the three and a half, or the first one is kicking in summer quarter, and the next one is fall quarter. So right. it's not that far apart. It's not like a whole school year apart. But, but there's one thing, though, in terms of the politics of spin, because obviously it's going to become part of the campaign. There's a big difference between 7% in Ohio and 32% in California. And uh, I got a feeling that, you know, some, that somehow um, one side, folks are going to be talking about 7%, and the other side, people are going to be talking about, but look at 32% in California, and look at how we've been able to really, in, in, in the face of a terrible economy, maintain those kind of basic services with smaller uh, Increases. Well, I think it's right, Gil, but I, I think also, and I may be wrong about this, but on this, the way we've held the, uh, the university has held the uh, tuition for the past three or four years, hasn't there been a little swapping in there? We'll, 
will freeze the tuition, but we expect some money and to come from the legislature. The yeah, they right. did. So, I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, they, they did raise it or they did hold it, but they also got something for that return. I think that's out now, and mm -hmm. so the, the thing's going to go up. Uh, it's just a way of living. Uh, you know, things are going to go up every year. and uh, Well, and that issue, though, things are going up for individual households, uh, but then, you know, pay raises aren't necessarily going up. People are they losing are. their jobs. People are losing their jobs, and, and Washington is not going to be able to pay for all of this. Now, but remember you know, at some point in time, with the credit cards or whatever Sam brings up, uh, there's going to be a bill to pay, and we're, uh, it's not going to go away. But remember about the, uh, about when you talk about tuition, and, you know, Mike, you know, when, when, you're a little older than me, and I'm a little older than you. But <laughs> when I was, <laughs> when, when, when we were in school, I mean, the state of Ohio paid probably I don't know what the number was, but probably seventy or eighty percent or some sort of number of the uh, uh, of the amount of tuition. Now it's way down. Okay. I mean, and that's and so you know, sure. these schools are not really state-supported right. institutions that much anymore. Well, now it's time for our weekly off-the-record comments from the panel. Panel final thoughts or predictions for the week ahead. Well, Julie Carsmith, you first. Oh, I I didn't want to go first. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take a real long shot prediction here, just so maybe I can get on the end of year, you know, super good predictions. But I I think maybe Seth Morgan pulls it out in the auditor's race. He's running against David Yost in the mm -hmm. primary for auditor in May. There's just a lot of momentum that seems to be there, and, and the Tea Party Day next week will really um, help some of those candidates. All right, Gil Price. I, I am hoping, I guess, uh, Evan Turner, I guess he's already won the AP Player of the Year, he's I think. Gone. I think he's hope. <laughs> well, we know he's gone. We know he's gone, but I hope he wins the John Wooden Award as well. Michael Miller. I think we're going to have a very, very low turnout. I don't think there are going to be any particular... Uh, uh, upsets. Although I, I I agree that that race is going to be the close race on, on, but the only one I think it'll be close on the Democrat or Republican side. And finally, Sam Gresham. There will be an October surprise in this upcoming gubernatorial election, and I can't talk about it right now. There always is one. <laughs> Great tease. That's Columbus on the record for this week. Make sure you check out our website. There you can get a preview of the topics from today, streaming video, and a link to our Facebook page. That's at our website, wosu.org slash cotr. I'm Karen Kassler. Mike Thompson will be back in this chair next week. Have a good week. <laughs>